Well, we are continuing on our fall sermon series on the Ten Commandments, and we've arrived at commandment number eight, which you may have been able to figure out from the readings. You might not have, but the commandment is, thou shalt not steal. And it's interesting because, much like some of the other commandments that we've heard thus far, when you first hear the commandment, your immediate reaction may be something like, well, I've got this one. I haven't robbed a bank, a convenience store, haven't stolen anybody's credit card. I'm good there. And then you move on. But that's really just a part of what this commandment really is talking about. Because it has ramifications. And if you look throughout Scripture, if you look at the Gospels and what Jesus says, it is far more than that. Because Jesus, for example, spends about a third, some guesstimate up to a half of what he talked about, parables, teaching, about what we do with our funds, our money. And are we using them the way God intends? Because in many ways, God has an intention for your funds as well. And so when we talk about stealing, it really covers the gamut of topics in Scripture. And we'll get to part of that in a little bit, but I just want to point out some statistics for you so you're realistic about how prevalent it is because most of us think, oh, you know, only robbers and thieves steal or hackers. But the guesstimate is, the economist several months ago, I believe, had an article that said 60% of losses in companies especially retail companies, come from employees. 60%. Why? Because I deserve it. Why? Because I can get away with it. They're not paying me enough anyway. And they'll never miss this. I mean, we've got all kinds of justifications and rationalizations. (laughs) The guesstimate also runs, if everybody was totally honest on their income tax the debt would be radically reduced if not eliminated. Now, I really question that. Because we tend to say, if I can get away with it, if nobody will miss it, if I can sneak around, I mean, there's lots of reasons and excuses as to why we can get away with what we can get away with. And then you talk about Other creative ways that people are stealing today. The one that blew me away when I first saw it on the news was you're walking in the airport and someone has this little device that steals your credit card info. That one absolutely blew me away. And I thought, if someone has that brilliant of a mind, why are they using it in that way? I mean, have you ever thought like that? Hackers, people that steal identity. I mean, we've got a multitude because the more progress we make in terms of technology, the more people will find ways to corrupt it, including using it to steal. I mean, I referred to this a little bit last week, but you know, even stealing human beings, kidnapping, trafficking. We can be so creative with how we steal. And I've only touched on part of it. Let me throw another one out there. People that don't 
pay their debts, their bills, are stealing. Just ask any contractor. Larry, have you ever experienced that? I mean, anybody who's worked in retail, serves people, will have people walk out, ignore a debt that they've incurred. And so we can think of all kinds of ways that people steal that may not immediately pop into our mind and identify a lot of other ones. But I want to point out one that, again, most people don't think about and a lot of people don't even believe because they can rationalize and justify. Let me read to you from Malachi chapter 3. Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You say... How are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings. Now, I just want to pause there for a second. If you really catch what that's saying, tithes is 10% of what it is you take into your household. Offerings is above and beyond that. So the assumption here and in other places in Scripture is the tithe is the most basic. And then there's offerings on top of that. And then there's taking care of the widow and the orphan and giving to the poor and and taking care of the temple. I mean, there are layers and layers of giving in Scripture. But the tithe is the most basic. And most people will say today that that really doesn't apply to today. It was different times back then. The reality is you can say that about every commandment. You can make that excuse about any commandment. And if you look at the consistent witness of Scripture, tithing is considered the most basic giving. And if you're not tithing, you're really not doing what God intends for you to do. See, the, the, re, the reality about our relationship with Jesus Christ is we love the fact that he's our Savior. We love the fact that he died in our place for our sin, that he gave himself, that he lived sacrificially, that he was born in a very modest family, that he served all of his life, first his family and then the world. He gave himself for others. He went through the passion and gave the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And we love the good news of our salvation. But see, when we come to Jesus, he is meant to be our Savior and our Lord. And as much as we will call Jesus Lord, we don't often submit every area of our lives to him. We hold back in certain areas. We've got our little pockets that we rationalize and justify. Because we really don't want his Lordship. We like the idea of Savior, but we don't necessarily like the idea of him being our Lord. Why? Because we want to be the Lord of our lives. That's the bottom line. We want to say how it is and then do according to what we say. We want to enthrone self instead of enthroning Jesus as our Lord. And so we will find convenient ways of saying, well, I just don't believe that. And so everybody will make up their own way. If we don't trust the scriptural witness, if we don't trust what Jesus says, 
who calls the tithe, by the way, the least. In Matthew 23, Jesus calls the tithe the least. And so we need to really consider if Jesus is our Savior and our Lord, what does his lordship mean for our lives? Because if we really understand, and we're not giving according to God's call, we're stealing, we're robbing from him. What's underneath that? What's been underneath that from the very beginning? From the first time when God called anyone and said, this is my call on your life. It's trusting him. Do we really trust him? Or do we just pay lip service to trusting him? See, because trusting God says, I'm going to allow you to take care of my life. I'm going to really call you my Lord and live as though you really are my Lord. But see, we really don't trust him to his word. And so we elevate ourselves. We've put ourselves in his place. And that's one of the reasons why that that can happen in other areas and actually erode our faith. Jesus said over and over again in various and sundry ways, you can't serve God and money. His first sermon, where are your treasures? Are your treasures really in heaven? Do you really trust me? Are you really going to live according to my standard? I've given you all this. I have blessed you in so many ways. You have talent and gifts and abilities and opportunities. You have financial resources, which God never begrudges, ever. But he says, I have a call on that. I allow you to live with 90% of what you have. I'm only asking for 10% back minimum. That's pretty generous. But see, we don't think like that. Because it's my money. I make the decision. Just like the man in Luke's gospel reading for today. When he was blessed with abundance. Does he say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? No, he says, soul, talking to himself. What should I do, soul? And he does what he wants to do without consulting the Lord. And then what does he say his life is going to be defined by for the rest of his life? Enjoyment. Eat, drink, and be merry. Instead of, Lord, what do you want me to do now that I've been so blessed? with the resources you've given to me, with the time that you've given to me, what do you want me to do for you? How do you want me to live my life? That's what it means to have him as our Lord. We are saying, with all that we have, with all that we are, what do you want from me? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to serve? That's the question. See, because if we're not asking those questions, 
then number one, we are passively stealing from others. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you consider the the letter of Paul, today's reading, it says, you need to work. Because some people were waiting for the second coming, and they figured, why work? It's not worth it. Thessalonians also has that message. But Paul is saying, you need to be working. Why do you need to be working? So you can give money away to the poor. Now, that's an interesting motivation. You think most people think that way? I don't think so. Most people don't say, I need to be working to make sure that I can give some away. Because God wants us to care for the poor and the widow and the orphan. Those who are struggling. Because they can't help it. And so we're passive in our stealing from others. We're passive in our steal, in stealing from the Lord's work and therefore blessing others. My guess is, because the national average is this way, that most of you are giving one, two, maybe three, maybe even 5%. But can you imagine if everybody in this church really took God seriously and tithed? What we could do in mission and ministry and in this community? Can you imagine if the church in the United States, every person who claims to be a Christian tithed? Because the guesstimate, again, is 1% or 2%. That probably most poverty and most homelessness could be eliminated. Not necessarily, but could be. See, we don't think like that. But we are passively robbing other people. Because God has a call on which you have. God has a call on your time. And do we say, soul, this is what you're going to do? Or do we say, God, what do you want me to do? Church staffs wouldn't struggle as much. Because we wouldn't be overloaded. Our insurance, our health insurance would probably be better. I look forward in two and a half years to get on Medicare. See, we forget. We forget. What the ramifications are when we don't do what God calls us to do. And the impact that we can have in this community, even worldwide, if his church took him seriously to giving, as he gave himself for us. How do we steal actively, proactively? Well, instead of saying, I need to designate this first and live according to the income that he's given to me, I make my own decisions like, the vacations that I go on, the house that I live in, the cars that I drive, the clothes that I buy. And then, by the way, whatever's left, then, instead of saying, the tithe comes first. 
And then we live according to our means. But we don't do that. Most of us. We say, this is where I want to live, and this is how I want to live, and this is what I want to drive, and this is what I want to wear, and this is how I want to entertain myself and go on vacation. Let's see what's left. The tithe is called the first fruit. We don't live that way. Most of us. You know, it's interesting as some of you have heard me say this, so you can turn me off for a minute. But when I married Meredith, she said, well, we're going to tithe. And I said, well, of course we're going to tithe because I had no idea what tithe meant. I thought it was just giving what you were comfortable giving because that's how I was raised. So when we got our first paychecks, and I think together we made 22000 that year, we tithed. And I said, wow, that's a lot. Well, it's really not. But percentage-wise, that's how God's economy works. And I look back over our lives, and I'm amazed what God has done. I'm amazed. Because when we were in seminary, again, some of you heard me say this, I got to, we got down to $40. And we talked about, I brought it up, maybe we should tithe to ourselves. And we agreed that was wrong, and we prayed about it. And within two weeks, we had $1,600 in the bank because we got three checks in the mail. We had no idea were coming. And we moved from our condo in Pittsburgh to San Antonio. Couldn't sell it. And we moved from San Antonio to here. Couldn't sell it. And everybody said when we got married, buy as soon as you can, don't throw money away on rent. So we did. And we bought in good neighborhoods. But when we went to sell in Pittsburgh, the steel industry went. And it was bad timing. And then we moved here from San Antonio. It was the oil and gas crisis and the SNL scandal. I had terrible timing. And we struggled. And the Lord was faithful. I am amazed that we got our kids through college debt-free. I'm amazed at that. I have watched God bless us more than I can imagine. And it's not because I'm extremely wealthy. It's because that's what he promises. I'm driving a car right now with 203,000 miles on it. I love my car. Just watch me drive it when I pass by you on 278. I've had under $1,000 worth of repairs. I love my car. I could be driving something much nicer if I didn't tithe. But I probably wouldn't anyway because I love my car. I mean, what's the point? The point is, is that I've watched God bless my wife and I and our children with enough. With enough. See, we don't understand that because of the advertising. You deserve this. You ought to have this. 
And they raise the bar for us to live in the world the way the world calls us. But see, for a Christian, our God is a generous God. He's been generous with me. He's a God who longs to bless us. He's blessed me. And a Christian heart is not a selfish heart that says, so what do you want to do with what you have? It's a generous heart that says, I've seen and experienced the love of Jesus Christ and what he gave for me. I've experienced his blessing because I've trusted him. Meredith and I have trusted him. I know he's faithful. I know it. Because he promises for starters. But I've experienced it. Now I'm not saying that all of you are in a position where you can now immediately tithe. I'm not saying that. But if you're giving 1% or 2%, I think it's time to maybe take a step of faith and step up a little bit. And if you're giving what you gave 30 years ago, I think the economy's changed in that time. See, because we give according to our income. That's what's fair. That's God's economy. And I'm not telling you because I don't know what you give. I'm not telling you because I see numbers. I'm telling you because I know God's call. And I've seen God work. And what you need to do is you need to pray in your heart of hearts. and Say, Lord, what should I be doing? These baskets that are out, that's not because we didn't clean up yesterday. These baskets are out for you to place your pledge if you know what you're going to do. There are pledge cards at the various exits if you didn't bring yours. And if you already sent your pledge in, you can always say, by the way, increase it this much. We'll do that. Because stealing isn't just about what we steal from other people. It's not even what we steal proactively or actively. It's what we steal passively. And like Malachi said, it's when we rob God. Because he wants us to witness to what he's done in our lives like I did to you. He wants us to be a witness as the church. Because we have such an impact on mission and outreach and ministry. So it's time for you to pray and ask, do you really trust him? Do you really want him to be your Lord? And what is he calling you to do right now to be a blessing? Let's pray. Lord, as you says, you say in your word, 
that you don't want us to give grudgingly that we might resent. That this is not about a guilt trip. This is about honoring you as our Lord. Lord, I pray right now that amidst a culture that loves to live for self, that you desire that we would live according to your your call, your way. That we would even be cheerful about it because, as your word says, you love a cheerful giver. Lord, I pray that you would move in the hearts and minds of everyone here this morning and beyond. That they would be moved to generosity. Because you are a generous God who has given us everything we have and especially has given your son. That we might know him as Savior who took our place and died for us. And that we might also know him and call him Lord with integrity as we seek to grow in trusting you with all that we are and all that we have. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.